0: Or recording on
1: Thursday, June fifteenth, twenty twenty-three at three. Excuse me, at three twenty-one p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, with uh, Mr. Tony Lyons, who's been on here before, and um, uh, you've got me plenty of authors, plenty of badass authors on here, and you've helped uh, many authors publish their book, including Robert F. Kennedy. And we were both just talking about uh, RFK going on Rogan. And I was getting my tires changed, and I saw on Instagram it was just Rogan with just the caption, let's fucking go, and of Bobby Kennedy. And I was like, oh, my God. So I downloaded it, and uh, I think you just downloaded it. What's up, guys? It's Tommy from Tommy's Podcast. If you have a podcast, do you want it censored? Then go to YouTube, go to Reddit, go to iTunes. If you don't want it censored, go to Spotify or Rumble. But Spotify pays me more than Rumble, so I'm going to record this ad for them. You can upload it. Trust me, whether you got a crappy podcast on a, on a MacBook above your parents' garage and it's echoing and everyone can hear the despair and desperation in every syllable you try to eke out without wanting to cry, or whether your podcast starts to actually make a couple shekels and you got a cool apartment and an air conditioner that works most of the time, Use Spotify. Use Spotify for podcasters. Yeah, you'll start off getting a couple pennies, but I'm several years into it now, and I've made, I don't know, I think about a thousand bucks. It's better than nothing. It's better than working at a liquor store with people you hate, with customers you hate, and a boss that hates you. So join Spotify for podcasters, and you'll actually start making money. It's worked, some, it's worked for me. I'm really tired. And uh, so that's what we're both doing. I decided to start recording, but real quick. Mr. Lyons, could you please uh, tell everybody a little about yourself?
2: No, sure. So I'm the founder and publisher of Skyhorse Publishing. And I also run, uh, or I'm the co founder of the um, super PAC called AmericanValues2024.org. And the goal of that super PAC
1: is to help Bobby Kennedy get elected president. Absolutely. Um... <clears throat> So, um, how how if you had to give a pitch for Bobby Kennedy for all the good people listening? Because I think I would imagine the majority of my audience are more more Trump centered, and I was for a long time, but I'm pulling full for for Bobby Kennedy for 2024. If you had to give a pitch to people, if you had to convince people on the edge, because he doesn't seem for all the pe- for all the Trumpers who are worried about that, he he doesn't seem that different from Trump on a lot of kind of American, the big issues of, of endless wars of, of all these things. Could you maybe give everyone a pitch if you could? Yeah. So I would think that the main thing
2: is that Bobby Kennedy is an anti-corruption candidate. And so, so I think that, you know, anybody who likes Trump and has thought about draining the swamp, um, would like Bobby Kennedy. And, and the thing is that Bobby Kennedy has been at it for 40 years. So he's been fighting the corruption of the US government and the uh, agencies that are you know, captured by the biggest corporations in this country. And also he's been suing US government officials, agencies, and a handful of the biggest and most powerful companies that are just sort of extracting money from the middle class and that are doing everything they can do to get more money and power at the expense of the American people. So I think that the main thing that you would get with Bobby Kennedy is a candidate and a president who is uncorruptible, who is totally honest, who is brutally honest, and who will fight corruption to the very end. So that's a lot of what his father was like. So his father was going after the most powerful organizations, companies and, you know, government agencies in the country at the time. You know, and that's, you know, something like 60 years ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Bobby Kennedy is the same kind of candidate. You know, so he wants to clean up this country which has be, you know, just become overwhelmed by the by the money that just flows into Washington. And it's just all about money for senators, for congressmen, for presidents. They're all just in some sense taking money. And the agencies are being funded by the companies that they're supposed to be regulating. And so he would come into office and he would end that. And he would put many of the other people who've been vilified in the last three years in charge of the agencies to get rid of the corruption and to make this country a democracy again so i think that's a start you know that that's my beginning pitch but we can go into much more detail
1: yeah that's a a, that's a solid starter pitch um for for the people listening um how, how do you know uh mr kennedy
2: yeah so i i started going to his speeches about 10 years ago uh where you know he was going to events all around the country talking about government corruption with respect to public health and right around then we published his book which was called thimerosal let the science speak and it was a really a fantastic book because it it included hundreds of peer-reviewed studies showing that mercury in uh you know early childhood vaccines was leading to uh all these symptoms that, uh, that are the symptoms of autism. So that at the very least, it was a big part of the question of what causes autism. And, um, but he was basically saying that there are these big corrupt companies that are uh, backed by the government where they can't be sued. The government uh, sets up their own division to sort of handle any possible lawsuits and they're just printing money. So they just wanted more and more and more vaccines, and it had really nothing to do with public health. So when people, for example, say that he's anti-vaccine, what they really mean is that some of the richest, most powerful people, government officials are scared to death of him, that they're threatened by him because he's going to get rid of the corruption in this country. So they're going to call him anti-vaccine. They're going to call him a conspiracy theorist. They're going to call him anti-Israel, even though he's not. They're going to come after him in any way they can, you know, call him a Holocaust denier. I mean, they're they're going to call him a domestic terrorist, a conspiracy theorist. I mean, any of these names. But when you think about it, when the richest and most powerful people on the planet resort to calling you names, what does that tell you? And I can tell you what it's (laughs) It tells you that they're afraid of him, that they don't have better arguments, that they can't convince people in the way that you're supposed to convince people in a democracy. And that is by presenting information. So when you just say, you know, when Robert F. Kennedy Jr. wrote this book and he spent literally 16 hours a day, seven days a week for nine months out of his life. I mean, he put his heart and soul into this book to get rid of the corruption of Dr. Anthony Fauci. And the government response to that was, um, he's a conspiracy theorist. This is all misinformation. So this is a book that has 2,194 citations. It is the most well sourced book that I've ever published in 30 years. Not a single person came out and said, Hey, there's a there's an era on page 289. So there was no dr fauci didn't do that no government official did that there were no peer reviewed studies contradicting things in this book so they just called it misinformation and that's just something that you hide behind you don't use those kinds of words and those kinds of tools and you don't use propaganda and censorship to stifle a an incredibly well-researched book and you know, serious allegations of government corruption. If you have, you know, if the truth is different than what's in the book, because if you have the truth and if you have the facts, you just come right out and you state them. I mean, Dr. Fauci would not at any point have had any trouble getting on every major TV show and saying, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is lying. I'm holding the book right in front of me. I've read it carefully. Look, I have you know, post it's all the way through. And I'm going to go through it with you for four hours. Yeah, I'm going to go on to Joe Rogan yeah. for four hours. Right. And I'm going to take you through and show you why this book is wrong. Yeah. So he didn't do that. He obviously can't do that. And he was misleading the American public. But one of the best ways to mislead the public is to call all the people who are telling the truth, you know, purveyors of misinformation. So, you know, that's a strategy. That's that's not science. I mean, science is supposed to be messy. Science is you put post-its all the way through and you come in with a team of scientists and you say, here's where Bobby Kennedy got it wrong. But nobody did that. There's 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 nothing like that going on now with public health, whether it's Dr. Robert Malone, Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Pierre Corey, I mean any of these heavyweights that are said to be giving the world misinformation nobody really contradicts them because nobody can stand up to them you know because these are serious scientists who've written you know hundreds of peer-reviewed studies and they are the real thing they represent science and the government and dr fauci and all these big pharmaceutical companies they are anti-science
1: again being 52 minutes into the rogan kennedy podcast one of the things Rogan said is, he was like I read the real Anthony Fauci, and since the time I've read it, all I can think of is, when are the lawsuits coming? When? Are, when is he going to get sued? Because if it was, if if a single sentence in it was false, they'd have a they'd have a team of pit bull lawyers. And he goes, where is it? Why is it not here? Well, the only conclusion is, is that everything he said is true. And I th- right. think that's I mean, what you just said." I would-
2: yeah i mean i would never want to invite anybody to to sue me or my company or bobby kennedy but it is a fact that you had just the weight of the most powerful country on earth coming down on bobby kennedy yeah you know they make him part of the disinformation dozen they're you know hit pieces in all the major newspapers they're getting you know bookstores are scared to carry the book libraries are scared to carry it i mean it sounds a lot like it might be in russia or china you know but you see it happening right here so there was so much pressure to just ignore him in every way so his videos were taken down from youtube Mm -hmm. from instagram his accounts were all closed he was kicked off twitter I mean why do you do this to somebody you know if you if you really think that they don't have anything if you're not afraid of them then you you want them to say all their crazy stuff and you want to then disprove it all but if you have nothing to say if you have no answer no facts on your side then you use the power of the internet of these incredible tools that would kind of be the envy of any dictator in the history of the world and you use those tools to make sure that nobody can hear the real story, and that I think is what happened. And that that's why it brings me to the second book. I was, yeah, so I was about to ask book, about that. Yeah. So the reason that we're coming out with this this book, and it's not published yet, it's uh, it's coming out June twentieth, and and the reason that we're publishing it is that people think that they know who Bobby Kennedy is, but they cannot know who he is because they've been subjected to so much propaganda. So so that's the thing, is that many people think that they have strong views on who he is or on all kinds of other people or on so much subject matter now that is the product of censorship and propaganda. So how do you really know what you believe? How can you you know that if if the building blocks of your view of the world, are all corrupted. So if you do internet searches all day long, and you can only get certain in information, which was definitely true for a big part of the pandemic, that you know any of those you know serious um, doctors and scientists who I mentioned before, um, or Bobby Kennedy or so many other people. I mean, there's a list of seventeen thousand doctors and scientists who were censored and vilified during the pandemic. So if you couldn't go on to any platform and find their studies, find their videos, find their their clips from, from all kinds of shows, um, how then can you decide what you believe, right? Because we all want to think that we believe things because we have access to a lot of information on both sides and we balance it, weigh it, ourselves, and then we come to a conclusion. But the thing is that most people in this country have been subjected to so much propaganda that they're basically believing what they're told to believe. They're thinking what they're told to think. They're putting things into their body that they're told to put in their body, that they're told are safe, that if they really had accurate information, they wouldn't do it. So the most sort of uh the the strongest forms of coercion are the kinds where you don't even know you're being coerced Mm -hmm. so you feel like it's uh it's something that you're willing to fight for you know that that it's it's the right thing to do you know getting a vaccine is a is is your patriotic duty it's um it's the only thing that's going to keep you healthy so you can you know smoke cigarettes all day long you can stay in your house you can eat you know, junk food, um, you know, and you're told, well, the sun is really dangerous. uh, Public spaces are really dangerous. uh, And the only thing that's going to save you is a pharmaceutical product. Yeah. And you're not allowed to ask what's in it, or how it works, or look at the studies. Uh, You know, so, so that starts to sound a lot like fascism. It's, you know, it starts to sound a lot like what people in this country or their ancestors, you know, ran away from all around the world. So we all came here to avoid those things. And now I think they've really happened to us. Mm-hmm. And if you look at at many of the speeches from the '60s, you know, it's 60 years back. There, there, there are all kinds of statements from Robert F. Kennedy, from John F. Kennedy, where they're saying that there's this kind of military-industrial complex that the government agencies are getting to be too powerful, um, that they can find out all kinds of information about you, they can track you. And and that's 60 years ago where yeah. the tools that they had were sort of like child's play- Laugh- Laughable. To the, to the tools that they have now. And so it, 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 it really is scary.
1: Yeah, that makes me think of, uh, yeah, and then it's like, well, how come we haven't heard of it since then? And it's like, well, a lot of them then captured media companies right. so that you don't hear about it where the guys with the megaphones go well the military-industrial complex took all the megaphones like right or but some of them you know clearly got killed yeah or, or yeah no best-case scenario they took the megaphones most of them got shot in the head that's right we're just raw reality that's what it is and yeah but what 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 you recognize is is that the
2: more powerful tool is to subject people to censorship and to vilify them and to take away their megaphone so that people really believe your narrative and think that their narrative is crazy so if you have to resort to sort of uh, a blue-collar crime Hmm. in, in the sense that you're just killing somebody or you're throwing somebody in in prison that's the lowest form of being able to convince people of of things. You know, which leads me to Trump. You know, that if that if they could really uh prove to the public that Trump had done things that were bad, they would they would do it in in more subtle ways. They would they would do it more openly. So, you know, sort of like when when they have 37 counts of things that he's being charged with. Right. So 37 counts means that the counts are most of them are probably really weak, you know, because if if you had three or four really good counts, you would just stick with those. Mm. Right. But 37, it just seems like a lot. And it's a it's an odd kind of a number. So it so it kind of works. But but it but it does seem like what's happening to Trump is also anti-democratic. is that you you have a presidential candidate where an administration where, you know, Biden really wants to be president once again, and he doesn't want to have to run for president because it appears that he's incapable of running for president and the DNC doesn't want him to run for president. They just want him to be handed the presidency. So what's the best way to do that? That's to attack Trump vilify Robert F. Kennedy, Jr., and then he'll just kind of ease into four more years. So he doesn't have to debate Bobby Kennedy. He doesn't have to go on to TV shows and talk about what his plans are, uh, doesn't have to sort of um, uh, explain the, the policies that he's had in the last couple of years and the policies that you know he would change and what he would actually do as president. He just wants to be given that role for four more years. So it just becomes another form of sort of censorship, propaganda, and the end of democracy. Because in a democracy, we're supposed to be able to really choose who our candidates are, to choose who becomes president. And we're not being given that opportunity when, you know, Bobby Kennedy's uh, YouTube clips are all taken down and they're taken down as misinformation, you know, we have to be able to decide what we believe. We don't want some big tech company that has embedded, uh, you know, agents from intelligence agencies uh, making those decisions for us.
1: What happened to Trump specifically towards the end of his president, or I mean leading up, but during... And what's happened to Bobby Kennedy is the 2023 version of assassination. It's what it is. Is right. you could pull off an assassination when you know you had one one in a million chance that there was a pruder at at Dealey Plaza. Like no, you know, nobody carried around a camera back then. It's you can't pull it off anymore. People are it can much easily much more easily be caught, documented, and disproven. Or you know, you can find the trail the way to do it now is it, it's a modern assassination. It's character assassination. It is their voice, destroy their voice, destroy their ability to reach anyone, muddy the waters with, with, with their own misinformation, disinformation. And then you can get into right. levels of that, which are advanced. It's, well, then you do disinformation that has a shred of truth in it. So now you don't even know it is. Well, it looks true. He said that water's wet. So, you know, it gets, I mean, it's impressive. You have to respect your enemy. It's impressive, but, Ultimately, what it is is it is a weapon, and you don't need any of that weapon. If you can just go on a talk show, and say this is where Robert Kennedy is incorrect, you you, you right. can do it. Any Fauci is not he is not a, a media uh, pariah. <laughs> he is a media darling. Right. He could walk on. He could to get anywhere. Any, right. Tomorrow. He could this evening. He could go, you know, I saw I saw that Robert F Kennedy was on Joe Rogan and I just want to say something. He could be on this evening. He could make the rounds throughout New York City. He could be on John Oliver. He got J- Jimmy Fallon, but they're all synonymous. They're all just robots with no personalities. He could go on any of those. He could be on the top post of Reddit in an hour. He could do it. Right. If he had facts that could disprove Robert F Kennedy, but he doesn't. So they're going to resort to their old weapons.
2: Yeah. But I but I think that that what's happening now is is a big change in the history of this country. And that is that, you know, there were a whole bunch of stories out when uh, Tucker Carlson's first Twitter show.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, hit the airwaves. And I, I was fascinated by it yeah. because I because I read, you know, some some stories saying that it was a big, big failure. and And those stories came out really, really quickly, which made me think they were written beforehand. Yeah and i was thinking <laughs> so you can go on to twitter and you see that he has what 120 million yeah. hits for that first show yeah how can you say that's a failure when has there been a a news show in this country that ever got 120 million views in
1: like 12 I mean, there hours are,
2: yeah i mean there are there are songs on you know spotify <laughs> that have been watched uh or you know listened to um, you know 300 400 million times over you know 15 years
1: yeah
2: but yeah but tucker you know in a couple of hours gets to more than a 100 million people yeah so that i think is really telling you something when the when the mainstream media you know the nbc's the abc's the cbs's are getting you know maybe like 2 million hits and they they then have the right to describe to the to the country or they feel they have the right to to describe what what people think and what they believe. And I think that they are they're dying and they're they're not what moves this country now. And, you know, Bobby Kennedy has said that he thinks this will be the first election in the history of the United States that is decided on new technology decided on on podcasts and radio shows, Mm. you know, not on not on TV, not on newspapers. Um, And I and I think that's really true. Mm. And that, you know, there's there's been a lot of work done in the last few weeks to actually take Bobby Kennedy out of some of the polls. So they're trying it from 20 different ways, you know, take his YouTube videos down, uh, keep him out of the polls. Um, censor his ABC News appearance, you know, all these different things, um, but it really isn't working. And, you know, there was a poll that that came out uh, yesterday that said that it was a likability poll. And they said that Bobby Kennedy's likability numbers are better than both Trump and Biden, which is kind of shocking because here's a guy who who you can just go on to any show, you know, any mainstream show, or you can read in the newspaper, in the New York Times, in the Washington Post, that you know, he's he's a crackpot and that nobody believes him. But in actual polls asking voters what they feel, they do believe him. They believe that he's sincere, and they like him more than they like these other two candidates. So that that's fascinating because that's true even though all of this work has been done to shut him down. So he's getting through to people. And like you said, he's on Rogan now, and that's going to probably be, you know, 12 million people
1: hearing what he really thinks. I think I think he'll, I think he's going to shatter the records. It's a gut feeling based on no facts, but I think he's going to shatter the records. And <clears throat> even though, you know, he, he has a very impressive background on, on vaccine uh, injuries and, you know, really... I think a lot of people, are, myself included, are now shifting from anyone that says, and this is all I'll admit my own faults, you know, oh, shut up, take the take a vaccine. This is the first time with the covid vaccine that I not only railed against it, but also made me you can't you can't rail against it in any honest, open mind would say, maybe I need to revisit this issue. Right. And it's, it's drilled into you. It's drilled in. F- oh, you're an anti-vaxxer. They throw it in the same corner of, of flat earther. And it, it, admittedly, I, I took it hook, line, and sinker. But, you know, having gone against this, this vaccine more than anything has made me go, okay, I got I to relook at it. But there is a much bigger uh, monster. And I've said it on this podcast a million times that although there are disgusting numbers of vaccine injuries f- from the COVID vaccine... I've interviewed two such people, one of them just last week, and tomorrow I'm having on an EMT guy that has responded to these things. There is, I think, statistically and numerically a much larger thing to discuss, and it's the early treatments that were suppressed. So you let's say you have 30,000, 100,000 vaccine deaths. Horrible. You know, Dr. George Fareed showed with 100% efficacy, as well as with his partner, Uh, uh, Dr. Tyson that I think Brian Tyson is his name they treated over 9,000 patients I think averaging or uh, ages up to like 90 with 100% efficacy with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine so if you take every COVID death which in the United States is over a million and let's just say at the absolute highest end 10% of them are from the vaccine or even less say you know 5% 50,000 like 10 times that is the people that died because they didn't have access to ivermectin. They didn't have access to hydroxychloroquine. Could you maybe lean into that? Because I know that you guys are doing uh, Dr. Corey's book.
2: Right, right. So that is this book, really a fantastic book and such an important story. So when you think about this story, um, it, it gets you right to the heart of the corruption in this country. So, you know, Dr. Fauci and, you know, the three main pharmaceutical companies had decided that they were going to produce these vaccines and get them into the arms of everybody in the world. You know, so it's, it's the same kind of thing when you think of, of of war. It's that we had decided to go into Iraq and then we started to look at all the facts and tried to come up with a good argument to do something that we'd already decided to do
0: 100%.
2: We were going in there and, you know, so what do we have? You know, can you find me some weapons of mass destruction? Can you prove something if you can't prove it? Can you make up some story that makes people believe that, Um, you know, what's going to get us in there? And that's the same story here that they decided that they were going to get vaccines into the arms of everybody in the world that they could do it for, do it with. And so one of the impediments to that was early treatment, because there was no way that they could adequately test the vaccines quickly.
0: With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 18 plus. And they
2: knew that. And there are clips from Dr. Fauci saying that exactly what we did with COVID vaccines is irresponsible and that no public health official should ever do it. So there are actual clips from him from like 20 years ago saying that you should never do this, that it's dangerous, it's irresponsible, it's anti science, that you cannot do that. You cannot come up with a vaccine quickly and Give it to the general public so but he you know clearly had made the decision he clearly had become you know incredibly corrupt and he'd made this choice with these powerful companies and they were going to do it come hell or high water there was no way that they were going to stop so the thing that was in the way was treatments like ivermectin so they had to come out with a story that it was a dangerous drug. So what you see there, and there are some really great clips from all the different periods in in the campaign, because what you see is that these are real, you know, psychological operations. That these are operations that were done at a very high level with a lot of people involved in them. So that there are these clips that I've seen that show 50 different um, newscasters On all kinds of different shows using almost the exact words and in some cases the exact words. So they're saying ivermectin is a horse drug. It's not meant for for human usage. It's dangerous. It can kill you um, under no circumstances should you say this. And they and they sort of uh, uh, put it into, you know, sort of an anti-Trump context and, uh, and and just rolled with it. So. But the facts were and it was not that hard to research that ivermectin had been used for decades all around the world with an incredible safety history and that there are two kinds of it. And one of them is for, you know, horses and and livestock, Um, but that the person who developed it primarily for use with humans won the Nobel Prize for it so it was a total disinformation campaign you know uh directed against the american people uh to essentially hurt them yeah. to prevent them from getting treatment that could have saved their lives and the only reason for it was to make more money that that was it it was just about the financial entanglements that dr fauci had with all these big pharmaceutical companies and their desire to extract as much money from the public, from the world, and get as much power from it and take as many rights from as many people as they could. Uh, and there was no public health consideration. It was obvious that ivermectin was safe, that hydroxychloroquine was safe. It had been used for decades as well. And that you know, taking simple steps like that could have clearly saved hundreds of thousands of lives, but there was no money to be made in it because they were generic drugs. So, you know, this is just a, an unfathomable crime, you know, to have, have people who would do that, who would take an action that's going to kill hundreds of thousands of people just to make more money, and then to have it where there are no real consequences to it. I mean, nobody has been Brought to justice for it. There's no truth and reconciliation for it, uh, you know, which is a little bit like you know you know. There's so many different areas where these kinds of things happen. Um, you know, maybe later we can talk about the uh, Biden laptop, but it is that that kind of thing where you can't get real information, whether it's foreign policy, domestic policy, healthcare. Uh, it's just really hard because it's all about power, control, money.
1: Can we can we jump into that? Can we jump into the the, the Biden laptop?
2: Yeah, so that I think is it's just a fascinating story that shows the corruption and that, you know, whether you like Trump or not, you should want to have free and fair elections in this country. And I certainly always want to have them. And I thought that when they kicked Trump off Twitter that you could really see that, you know, Twitter is and and all the big tech platforms are a means of communicating with the public. So it's sort of an advanced form of the telephone. Sure. So if you can't communicate with the public, how can you be a candidate? How can you be a public official? And if private companies that are being directed by the deep state, by government agencies, um, where there's where it's totally anti-democratic, um, can make the decision to de-platform a president or a presidential candidate without any process. They just make that decision. You know, that's obviously not democracy. I mean, there's no question that that if you dig into the details of it and and we really think it through That is clear-cut fascism, that Mm -hmm. that can't be allowed in this country, that, you know, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. now is a candidate with great ideas who could debate Biden and, you know, really just uh, put him in his place. I mean, really show the American public that he has better ideas, that his mind works better and that he would be better at running
1: this country in basketball terms and one-on-one he'd break his ankles. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: So, you know, to get back to the, uh, 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 Hunter Biden laptop, you know, the, you know, the question there is that it's just sort of a microcosm of the whole problem that, um, in a sense, it's clearly election fraud in, in the sense that, people decided, that government officials decided, that other powerful people decided that they were not going to allow Donald Trump to be president. But that's not their right. You know, this is a democracy. And, you know, they can make their arguments. They can say Trump is bad about this or that he got this wrong. And we have a candidate who can do it better. That's what you're supposed to do. So to use a disinformation campaign where it's clear that you know, President Biden's son was was doing things that were wrong and that were very serious and that potentially uh, President Biden knew what his son was doing, potentially he was benefiting from it. And we still don't have the answer. But, you know, they did not the, the deep state people who carried out that operation didn't have the right to do that. They fooled the American public into accepting a story and the media followed with them and potentially was part of it. I mean, the New York Times ran seven articles on how the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. Then they ran a story later uh, after the election saying that that they were wrong. But that that, you know, that story wasn't on the first page, the second page, the third page that was buried on, you know, page 30. And, you know, so People listening to this have to recognize that, you know, that that might sound like a like a story that, you know, is is bad, but but maybe isn't, you know, at the level of many other really serious stories. But I think it's as serious as anything that it means that the outcome of that election was, you know, improper and that we have no idea whether Biden really would have won if we had been able to get the real information. I mean, uh, you know, Donald Trump lost by something like 45,000 votes in three states. So, you know, who's to say what being honest at that last minute before the election would have meant? Mm. I mean, it, it was a tricky point. And, but they were something like 51 um Former government officials yeah. who came out, many CIA, yeah. FBI, all kinds of people came out and they all signed it saying, looks like Russian disinformation to me. But what they really meant was that they don't want Trump to be president. Yeah, And what they really meant, I mean, we we published this, this other book called uh, Get Trump by Alan Dershowitz. Mm-hmm. And what Alan says and what I believe, too, is that so many of these people were willing to do anything and to give up any rights in order to ensure that Trump was not president. But what they don't recognize when they do that, or or maybe some of them do is that when you give up all these rights, it's not easy to get them back. Yeah. So when you give up your freedom of speech, when you give up your right to get good information about candidates, and, and then make your own decision about who to vote for, you know, that might be a right that then disappears, you know, that your freedom of speech might disappear, that all of your constitutional rights are in jeopardy when you start saying, I'm willing to do anything to get this one outcome, you know, or, or you say, you know, we're at war now, you know, mm-hmm. we're, at, we're at war, war on drugs, war on opioids, war on, you know, anything. And when in the last 30 years have we not been at war with somebody or on something, war on crime, you know? So it's it's always phrased in that sense that we're at war now, so we don't have time to think about something as trivial as constitutional rights. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're at war. But I, Shut up. Yeah. So the the idea is that, you know, if we weren't really at war, we would just make up something to be at war over. Hmm. And quite possibly, you know, when you think about Bobby Kennedy running as kind of like somebody who really cares about the middle class, who wants to rebuild the middle class in this country, and you you look at some of the things that have been happening. One of them is that uh, there was a New York Times story that said that something like 53 percent of the people in this country, more than 170 million, don't have a $1,000 in the bank. So the middle class has just been absolutely destroyed. It's gutted. been gutted. Yeah. And you know, we're then taking that moment in history and deciding to give $200 billion to the Ukraine conflict. And we don't even really know what we're fighting over. I mean, that's another one of those complicated stories. So we all, you know, we as in millions of people in this country went out and they bought Ukrainian flags and and it it became sort of like the thing to do. And, but it's quite possible that that in itself was just kind of a disinformation campaign that, you know, we had just um, sort of uh, gotten out of the Afghanistan war we had made a total mess of it. Biden had said that uh, that the Afghani soldiers with U.S. weapons and U.S. training were one of the most powerful fighting forces on the planet and that he couldn't promise that they could hold off the Taliban for 20 years. It was certainly, you know, they were going to hold them off in the short run for one year, two years, three years without any doubt. And then we all know what happened next. So. So we were looking for some kind of an answer to that and some kind of new thing to, to jump into to make the world and to make the people in this country forget about what just happened, you know, which was just an incredibly sloppy move where we spend. I don't know how much money, but I, I guess it was something like a trillion dollars or some huge sum of money over nothing over over creating false hopes in tens of millions of people in a in a country that we made promises to and then broke and then disappeared and their lives went back to being you know worse than they were before we got there so you know what is the ukraine war really all about and you know it's certainly not about helping the middle class in the united states and and bobby kennedy talks often about how he would as president not get involved in those kinds of wars that he would bring the troops home and that he would rebuild america and that he would use that money to rebuild the middle class to rebuild you know small capitalism small businesses you know so people have claimed that he's kind of anti business that he's this environmentalist and that you know maybe he's he's radical there but that's that's just another way to kind of vilify somebody who's calling out corruption. And so when you look at these endless wars, you know, it's just another form of corruption. It's not about really fighting for the people in those countries, because if we really cared about the Ukrainian people, we would try to negotiate some kind of settlement. But we have no reason to do that, that this is all about weakening Russia. And that might take 10 years. Yeah. You know, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars that could have been used to educate our own people, to build our own roads, to build our infrastructure, to, you know, help fund small businesses. And so I think, you know, Bobby Kennedy is right about all of that stuff and he would end these sort of forever wars.
1: Yeah. I just remember thinking when we pulled out in August 21, I was like, where, where are we going next? That's all I could think of. I was like, it's coming. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know who it's going to be. I didn't have Ukraine on my checklist. I thought it would be something like Taiwan. But, man, it was what? I mean, it was what? What, August 21 to what we went in February 22? Is that, what is that? Yeah. So August is 8th So 4. We get we went six months. We went six months without a drink. And then we went right back right. to the bar and start chugging liquor. And that's where we are. Right. And that's, man, it... it you know, it, it gives more and more credence to, the uh, to the accusation that we're a permanent war economy. And I,
2: right. I, it's, and when you, I mean, when you think about the, the environment, or when you think about, you know, gun control, you, you see all of these things that don't make any sense that there are so many people who are Democrats now who want to take people's guns from them. Uh, but they want to then be at war in countries all all around the world, building more bases, building more weapons, you know, uh, arming more more groups, selling weapons to people all around the world. So you see that sort of thing that that we're against weapons here, and for it everywhere else doesn't make a bit of sense. And uh, you know, so one of the things Bobby Kennedy. Has said is that um, that he would make the border safe, that he would make the border impervious, because he, you know, he went down to the border and you know saw what was going on there and 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 thought it was just just terrible. And um, but he also says that he wouldn't take away people's guns. He also said that um, that he doesn't think that protecting the environment. Uh, has to be bad for business or for capitalism. And so, you know, all of the people who could potentially get hurt by him try to find ways to once again use these different terms on him. So they think, oh, he's a, what would they claim? He's a radical in, environmentalist and that would be bad for business. But he's not in any way. What what he's anti is the big companies. That are making tens or hundreds of billions of dollars by poisoning people, whether it's Monsanto, you know, putting glyphosate into Roundup that then causes cancer, and you know he sued them for that, got a seventy million dollar judgment uh, based on somebody who who was killed, who who died of of cancer, you know, after a lifetime of of working with with Roundup. So he's a real threat to the people who want to be corrupt. But if you're trying to run a small business, you know, there's no dissonance between a small biz- business person and healthy air, healthy, you know, clean water, uh, you know, forest that you can hike in, that you can hunt in, you can fish in. You know, that's what I think Bobby Kennedy would be helpful for. So the the kind of environmentalism that, you know, uh, he is advocating for is the kind that leads to healthy children healthy small businesses and a, and a healthy country.
1: Hmm. I mean, I was going to say you're winning me over, but I was already won over. Um, what have we not touched on in the last 10 minutes or so? What what have we not touched on about Bobby Kennedy?
2: Yeah, let's think. Um, yeah, we've covered a lot. So, let me just think. I mean, I mean, so, so I I guess one thing that that, that we've touched on, but that that I that I think it, it would be so critical because, you know, Trump said that when he became president, he would, um, he would kind of rein in the government agencies that were failing to protect children, failing to protect all of us uh, and the health of all the people in this country and he met with Bobby Kennedy uh, with the idea that Bobby might start a commission on vaccine safety. Um, And and then that that never happened. So so what you would get with Bobby Kennedy as, as president is you would get somebody who really is gonna go after the deep state and who really is gonna make sure that the agencies of our government protect the American people from these gigantic fascist companies that are controlling everything. And so, you know, you're going to hear every bad thing Mm -hmm. that anybody can say about Bobby because he's doing that because these people are serious. I mean, there's, there's this great, um, Chuck Schumer clip that I saw last weekend, somebody showed it to me and, um, it was about it's about six years old and uh, Donald Trump had just made some really harsh comments about the CIA and the other intelligence agencies. And Chuck Schumer
1: said, uh, you know, uh, on yeah.
2: on some big TV show. Yeah. Do you do you uh, want to describe that? Cause I,
1: I think I might say, know the one you're saying the you know, along the lines of better be nice. Uh, the intelligence community has six ways from Sunday taking you out.
2: That's exactly. That it. ain't
1: a democratic statement, man. <laughs> right.
2: So. So, you know, Chuck Schumer's saying that and he's laughing, you know, he's got this smirk on his face saying. But what he's basically saying is, hey, we don't live in a democracy here. So Donald no, he's Trump saying, you, think...
1: you're saying you're in our territory and you're about to right. get hit. So he he he's sort of saying, you know,
2: you can be president you can be a billionaire. You can be a really powerful person. Means nothing. But this isn't a democracy. You're going up against the real power. And yeah. so he's saying he would never try to control the agencies of government. Yeah. Biden will never try to control the agencies of government because they're afraid. And so what you get with Bobby Kennedy is somebody who's given up so much. So, he hasn't done it for money he, you know, because he, he lost a lot of money and a lot of connections and board seats and partnerships with with law firms and all kinds of things because of his anti-corruption stance. So he isn't doing it for more money. He isn't doing it for more power. He's doing it because he knows it's the right thing to do. And the people who have taken over this country are scared to death of somebody like that, somebody who is unbribable, who's really gonna clean the swamp and who's gonna fight for the American people, you know, for the rest of his life. But, you know, I don't think he really wants to be a president for eight years. I mean, I don't really know that, but I don't don't think that he wants to spend a lot of time in Washington. I think he wants to come in there and set things straight and get this country in a better direction. And I think most Americans know that it's not going in a good direction.
1: And, <clears throat> you know, I'd like to think I know a decent amount about the Kennedys just from my own obsession with the Cold War and intelligence agencies. And from Mr. Kennedy's own statements about the CIA and his father and his uncle. And obviously, I've never met the man and I can't speak from him. But it seems like he's made peace with this. Like, he's going in to slay the dragon. I mean, you don't... He's a brilliant man. And he's openly said on talk shows and podcasts, the Central Intelligence Agency killed my uncle. Like, the deep state killed yeah. my father. And he's he just watched them remove Trump. He's not stupid. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's walking into. And yet he's still doing it, and to me that I mean that gives me goosebumps, is he's just looking at it and he's, he's just like this. This is, you know, this is my destiny, and yeah, I mean ab- above all else, that's what's made me kind of jump from Trump over to him. Is just I mean excuse my lack of formal language, but just the balls on him. That's what's it, yeah. it gets me going. That's you know. And I think to me, that's the single most admirable thing about him.
2: Yeah, it kind of makes me think of, uh, of a speech Martin Luther King once made where he was saying that, um, that black people were going to get their freedom in America and that he was going to fight for it till the very end. But he said, you know, uh, we will get to the promised land, um, But then he said that he might not get there with them, Hmm. right? That he recognized that the things that he was saying at that historical moment were things that, um, that they were very powerful people, uh, who were angry about and who would fight till the end. And so I think that he recognized that he was in real danger. And I, th- and I think that over the last 40 years, Bobby Kennedy has shown that he's willing and capable of going up against the most powerful companies in the history of the world mm-hmm. and the most powerful public officials in the history of the world. And he's done it without looking back, you know, w- without fear. Um, he has done it because he's dedicated to doing the right thing. And, you know, he clearly is going to do that for the American people till the end. And he ought to be president. And I think if the American public gets to know him, you know, really, you know, reads this book, The Real RFK Jr., but listens, you know, listen to him on Joe Rogan, listen to him anywhere that he speaks, hopefully soon on this show. Um, And then I think it's gonna be hard not to sort of revolt and say, hey, I'm not willing to have a democratic party that doesn't have debates. And the people in this country have power. It's just, it's about figuring out how to use it. So if tens of millions of people say, hey, this is a democracy, we need to have a debate, we need to have real primaries, then I think Bobby Kennedy is gonna be the victor in the primary battles. And he's gonna come out as the candidate and he's gonna shift the Democratic Party so that it's the, you know, people are Kennedy Democrats, that they're back to the way Democrats used to be, which is, you know, anti-war, pro-middle class, you know, anti-corruption, looking at government agencies as as employees of the United States, of the people of this country, not as groups where a senator says, hey, I know better than to go against a government agency. Mm. right? I mean, to have a senator saying that that he would never do it, that it's too dangerous to say anything against an intelligence agency or the CDC or the FDA or the EPA, I mean, he's a senator. He should be making the rules. We've we've put him there. We've given him that power to help us not to be afraid of unelected officials. So I think Bobby Kennedy would end that. You know, he would end that fascist merger of government power and corporate power.
1: When When someone says that you can't or that you shouldn't go against a government agency is precisely the time when you got to go against the government agency and i think that's what bobby kennedy's doing and that that is why he's he's that's why i'm going for him but i think this is a perfect note to end this on you did a brilliant job man i hope i hope you're getting paid for that you did a brilliant job pitching him i mean touche you won thanks no i do not you went for 57 minutes perfectly (laughs) I would
2: I would like to say very clearly that I do not earn a penny from the super PAC. <laughs> I spend a lot of time on it. And I really want people to go to our website, which is American values 2024.org. Uh, but I would never take a salary, I'd never take a payment of any kind. I'm uh, because I in believe in the work that we're doing.
1: American values, what was it? 2024.org. I'm putting that in the description. Perfect. With that, Mr. Tony Lyons, let's wrap this one up, dude. Thank you so much for coming on. I always love talking to you. You're a brilliant individual, and you need a, you need to you need to start a podcast, man. You 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 can go. You, I didn't say a word. You just went for an hour straight, brilliantly. I mean, that's that's impressive, man. Hey, thanks. I would love to just go on
2: to your podcast more.
1: Hey, well, sure. hey, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. With that, Mr. Tony Lyons, thank you so much, sir. Guys, thank you for watching. If you haven't, please. Go check out Mr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and give him a chance. Thank you, sir. Guys, Recording thank you for watching. Until next time, Tony. Take care. Peace.